We have a great program prepared to you today as we're going to be talking about the seven people in the seven churches of Revelation. So we hope that you can stay tuned to today's program. And of course, open your Bibles and follow along with us as we have, again, a great program prepared for you. But before we continue, I'm going to ask Nathan Jones if he will open us up with a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for this opportunity to start a new year and, and study your word, Lord. Uh, it, may it light our paths and guide us as we go through this new year, 2019. Thank you, Lord, for Vic and his passion of studying the Bible. Lord, I pray that's infectious, and everybody here tuned in will get really excited, Lord, about your soon return in your precious and wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Again, you're tuning to our Truth Will Set You Free, Bible Prophecy TV Radio Edition. Vic Batista, Nathan Jones, as we're looking at the book of Revelation, the seven people of the seven churches of Revelation. So, Nathan, welcome to the program. It's great to have you on for this 2019. Can you believe it? Oh, my word. Where does the time go? I think we started this, what, in 2010, and then we took a little hiatus and came back five or six <laughs> years ago. Brother, we've been uh, preaching and teaching the Bible now for years together. It's been a blessing. It, it really has, Nathan, and we're so excited because God is so good for the many years that he has given together to be able to edify and to build the, the body of Christ. So talk to me, Nathan. What, what New Year's uh, resolutions do you have, if any, for this upcoming year? <laughs> well, our church is actually doing three weeks of fasting and prayer, and every night at church, they're holding an hour Bible uh uh, reading time, prayer time, worship time, and, and looking for revival. So uh, this year, we're starting out, I think, on a great foot. We're starting out seeking the Lord's revival. So that's that's my goal for this year is to not just study the word academically. You know, I love to do that, but grow in my relationship with Jesus Christ more. And I, that should be the resolution, I guess, for every year and every minute of every day. But that's that's what I'm focusing on at the beginning of this year. Nathan, that is so well put. I love that, the wonderful challenge. And I, and I think that is so fitting. Uh, oftentimes for New Year, people say, I want to lose weight. Or I want right? yeah. <laughs> to, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. But how about some wonderful spiritual goals? So I really, I think that is right on. Oh, excellent, excellent. Yeah, I, I, yours. tell me yours. Not much, Nathan, the same way. I want to continue to grow with the Lord, serve the Lord, and be ready because we believe He's coming back very, very soon. And I, I love what you said about fasting and praying because somehow that also helps to prepare us uh, to be attentive to the things of the Lord and, and, and not focus so much on the things of this world, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you're the one who's actually the, quite the champion of fasting. I, I've never, I mean, I would say never. I have fasted a number of times throughout the years. Uh, actually required to in one of my seminary classes on personal spiritual disciplines. But uh, this time I, I'm trying to be better at it. You know, not one day or two days, but three weeks worth. And obviously I'm not fasting from all food. I don't think I'd survive, but I am fasting <laughs> from everything sweets. You you name it that's sweet related. I'm, I'm trying to fast from that. I love sweets. And so I have to give that up. But uh, it's a great practice. And brother, you always inspire me to do that. You always inspire your church to fast. And I think that's an excellent spiritual discipline and an excellent way to start the new year. Hey, Nathan, and thank you so much. By the grace of God, yes, we just believe that there is so much power in fasting and there's so many benefits to it spiritually and physically as well. So, man, I think you're going to look fantastic this year as well, Nathan. <laughs> so that's going to be a uh, 
That's going to be awesome. So, Nathan, also, as we continue, maybe there's someone new to the program and they're not aware of their ministry and your involvement there and all the wonderful things that you do. Can you talk to us a little bit about the ministry? Well, certainly. Um, I serve as associate evangelist and web minister with Lamb and Lion Ministries. We're a Bible prophecy preaching ministry whose mission it is to proclaim the soon return of Jesus Christ. And folks know us probably best from our television program, Christ in Prophecy, which this will be its 17th season. You can find it on all the major networks like Daystar and NRB and other his channel. And uh, we also do conferences, uh, write lots of materials and books like the one you and I are working on right now. And uh, we uh, do a lot of programs, short videos like the Inbox series. Folks can check us out on our website. That's my position here at the ministry as web uh, minister and internet evangelist to reach the 3 billion plus people who are out there on the internet. And I do that primarily through my online pulpit, which is christinprophecy.org or lamblion.com. Well, our ministry hosts quite a number of conferences. Our senior evangelist, Dr. David Reagan, uh, leads uh, both me and uh, one of our other evangelists to go to other conferences. We have guest speakers. Uh, we have our big one in July, in middle of July, and it's here. It's going to be on discernment, and uh, it's an apologetics one. We're having uh, Kelly Shackelford and Ron Rhodes and Eric Barger and other speakers, including Dr. Reagan. We also have regional conferences around the country. This year, ours uh, will be in the end of, uh, excuse me, April. It will be uh, in Kentucky, uh, and that will be up, we'll be up there as well. So we do lots of conferences. Occasionally, uh, you folks in Miami invite us down, like at Hylia Baptist, and we, we do conferences there too. But we try to, we go where people invite us. So if you're a member of a church, a pastor, and you'd like to hold a Bible prophecy conference, uh, just give us a contact at lamblion.com, and we'll see what we can do to bring the gospel to your church. Mm, I love that, Nathan. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, we're very excited. Uh, hopefully, uh, I'm able to make it. I've always prayed about it, and uh, it's going to be fantastic. Last year, you guys, I mean, it was sold out months in advance, right, Nathan? <laughs> well, I'm glad you registered today. Yes, we, we had about 1,000 seats. Uh, this year, we have 1,300. And uh, You're a great example, man, you and your wife registering today, because we already have 300 of the 1,300 seats filled. Uh, so, yes, we encourage people to go to our website, ChristinProphecy.org. Right on the homepage there, there's a, a, a banner about our conference. Uh, learn more about it there and sign up. We'd love to have you here in the Dallas area. It is in the Dallas area, but we will be also live streaming it as well. And if you're going to attend via live stream, you don't have to register. You'll just tune in our website those two days. That is fantastic. And um, I'm glad that you guys always do that the people it's free sometimes of course you take a love offering but the idea is you want everybody to come because we believe the lord is coming back soon and we are going to uh begin in chapter two but but nathan can you give us a little bit of background on chapter one of the book of revelation and then uh, uh as we continue that through chapter two verse by verse in case someone is new uh, to the bible so they can have a better idea uh what this is all about absolutely well the book of revelation was written by the apostle john in his old age he was probably in his 90s when uh, the Lord appeared to him, took him to heaven, and gave him a vision of what the future is going to be. And so John was ordered to write these things, which he was to see, and that's what he did. And there today, now we have the book of Revelation, which is the uh, New Testament version of Daniel. It fills in more details about how the Lord is going to play out his plan for the ages, how Jesus Christ is going to return and set up his kingdom, a prophecy one of the most prolific prophecies actually in the whole Bible, the return of Jesus Christ. 
So chapter one is kind of setting the stage for that. And chapter two gets into, and three, to seven messages that Jesus has for the churches, seven churches that are in what was called Asia Minor at the time, or now, this is modern-day Turkey. And for each of those churches, he has a message to the churches, the people in the churches, that are applicable to different time periods that are reflected in the church age, the last 2,000 years that we've been waiting for Jesus to return, and they're applicable to individual lives as well. And Nathan, I love the way you put that is applicable for us today. In other words, this is not an ancient book. This is not a message that the Lord had for someone 2,000 years ago, but this is personal. This is speaking to us today, and we also need to be attentive as these messages are powerful and also very encouraging. So yes, Nathan, if you can take us there, Revelation chapter 2, as we uh, jump in here verse by verse, that will be fantastic. Well, Veka, you, you hit the word uh, right on the head there, the nail on the head, when you said that it's supposed to be encouraging. Matter of fact, Revelation 1-3 reads, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. So, brother, that you want to study Revelation should be a great blessing to anyone who does, because God promises that if we read it and hear it and keep those things which are written in it, you know, keep in mind, then we will receive a blessing for that. Nathan, I'm glad you shared that because uh, you and I, when we teach Bible prophecy, we always like to focus on the good news. In other words, there are tragic things here, but primarily for the believer, for the Christian, this is exciting. This is good news. Absolutely. It's like the, your old introductory song was good news, good news. I love how <laughs> I miss that song. You always start the shows with the good news. And it's true. It's, it's good news. It's meant to be. And so here we get seven different churches, seven different letters, and they are from Jesus Christ. They're not from John. John just basically described for Jesus here. And Jesus has a special message to each of these churches. And the very first one is a church in the city of Ephesus. Oh, awesome. Yes, Nathan, go ahead and, and uh, take us through there. We're very excited. Okay. Well, Ephesus was a town on the uh, west coast of what is today Turkey. It was a major city in its time period. And matter of fact, after the fall of the temple, uh, church history records that the Apostle John was the bishop of that church. So he ended up having to, of course, flee and go up into Ephesus. And there, so this church in particular was a very important and close to the heart church for the Apostle John because this was his church. This was his flock. And it's the first church that the uh, Lord addresses. And uh, you can read that in Revelation chapters. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Absolutely. And, and Nathan, I love the way that uh, chapter 2 there, verse 1, uh, opens up. It says, to the angel of the church of Ephesus, uh, write, these things, says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. So someone who's not familiar with that, what exactly we're looking at, uh, we're talking about here. Oh my goodness, that, that's a hard one. You actually have to go back to Revelation 1 to understand that. And uh, Without having to read, let me just uh, reiterate that Jesus appears, and it appears like he's holding seven stars in his right hand, that there's seven golden lampstands around him, and these are all symbols. And fortunately, Revelation 1 actually interprets it for us. Uh, you have to go back, uh, verse 20 says, The mystery of the seven stars, which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, so Jesus tells us what the symbols mean right here. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches 
that being the angels that God has assigned to each church as protection. Your church, if you go to church, is protected by an angel. But angel means messenger, and so it could also mean the pastor. So, Vic, you are an angel of Calvary Chapel Broward. You are the messenger of God. You're <laughs> protector, but no brother that you have angelic help there as well. And the seven lampstands are the seven <laughs> churches. So each of these churches we read is, is compared to a lampstand. What does a lampstand do? It provides light and heat and warmth and brightness to one's life. And that's what the church is meant to do in society. In this dark and evil world, the church is meant to be a place of brightness, of warmth. It's supposed to attract people to it. And that's how I, the Lord compares each of these churches to a lampstand. It was just amazing to me how uh, today nothing changes. We're still supposed to brighten up our communities. Absolutely. And, you know, that's what the church is meant to do. It's meant to, to shine God's love to people. It's meant to attract people to Jesus Christ. Uh, it's provide warmth in the way of care and, and support to people in need. Uh, and it's great that the, that's how the Lord sees his churches. Uh, they are places of refuge, places of light, places that bring brightness to a dark world. And so he does. He compares each of these churches to a lampstand. I love that. So, and Nathan, uh, can you also take us through verses two and three? Uh, another fantastic set of verses there uh, as we continue to look at this church in Ephesus. Okay. Well, verse two and three read, uh, this is the Lord speaking to the church. I know your works, your labor, your patient, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my namesake, and have not become weary. So Nathan, it appears to me that, that there were some issues uh, in this church. Apparently not everyone there was a nice Christians, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, uh, the church of Ephesus is not just a, a physical church, but it also represents a particular time period. So if you look at it this way, it's the early church, and the early church was um, a time period, uh, you know, the first century church, basically. It's uh, 30 AD to 95 AD is tend to be what it's considered. It represents a time period. And it was a time period when the church had, the Lord had moved on and the apostles were caring for it. It was a baby church. It was forming. Uh, and so here it is. They're being commended for all the wonderful things that the Lord is, is doing through them. You know, uh, we got some excellent examples here. This is a church that's working. I mean, they're out there. They're laboring hard to get the gospel out there. Uh, you know, when you start something new, like a new business, you know, you have to put a lot of time and energy in to get it going. So here this church is putting a lot of energy and time into getting this church going. You need a lot of patience because it's a, it's a hard job, as you know, as a church planner, brother, you know, it, it takes a lot of patience to put a church together. And uh, they stand up for what's right. They don't bear evil. I mean, when evil comes, they, they deal with it. They address it. They make sure it's out there. You know? People who say they represent Christ but are not false prophets and false apostles, they, they label them liars and get rid of them. They persevered through great trials and tribulations, and they've labored in Jesus' namesake and haven't grown weary doing so. So this is the commendation that Jesus Christ gives the church of Ephesus and the early church of the first century. And Nathan, you know, you made a very good point there because we find that, I mean, these are things that we should be doing as Christians and as churches. We should be uh, eradicating sinful behaviors. We should be eradicating false teachings and, and, and lies. But we also notice, Nathan, there's a lot of that creeping into the modern churches even today. 
And the Lord will address that with later churches, especially the church of Laodicea. But we, wherever the Lord commends somebody in the Bible, we should look to them as an example, right? And so we can look Ephesus. to the church of Ephesus. Yeah, absolutely. And see that there are certain things that the Lord really loves about a church. And not just a church, but the Christians in the church. We are the church. It's not just the building. It's not the programs. It's the people. So we as Christians should remember that that we should labor hard for the Lord, that, that the Lord likes yes. it when we're patient, that the Lord likes it when we do not tolerate evil and point out those who are lying uh, and saying that they serve the Lord but do not, that they persevere under trial and they don't go weary. In other words, they don't slow down or stop. They keep on fighting for the Lord. Nathan, excellent point. And, and of course, we want to encourage anyone that's listening right now to our, our program or checking us out live on social media. This this message is to you. This message is to encourage mm -hmm. you. Uh, maybe last year was a little bit challenging for you. Maybe you went to a church that had issues and problems. And I oftentimes say, if you find the perfect church, don't join it because you will ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> In other words, we know that churches have, uh, are challenged because there's people in the churches. But nevertheless, Nathan, the great point that you made is that those individuals that are faithful must continue to labor for Jesus. Absolutely. Very well said. So, and, and Nathan, as we look at uh, those verses, now we get to uh, verse 4, Nathan. Uh, we see that there's uh, an issue there. Can you talk to us about that? Can you read verse 4 for us? Well, there's that old management tactic that if you ever have to reprimand an employee, what you do is you comment them on what they're doing right, then you address what they're doing wrong, and then you bring up again before you're done something they're doing right. And it seems this is how, how Jesus handles each of the churches. You know, he has to tell them, hey, you guys are doing this right, but now he's ready to address them. Okay, now this is what you're doing wrong here. Verse 4 begins, nevertheless, I have this against you that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works. And here comes the punishment if you don't, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Mm -hmm. Well, Nathan, I, 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 I'm, I'm thinking maybe you used to be a manager somewhere or something because it seems like you had to deal with some of this. <laughs> well, I, yeah, and I, that's my advanced degree is in leadership and management. So. Uh, but yeah, they, they, that's what they had to, you do as a manager, you know, you, you want to address the issues where your employees, so to speak, need to, uh, shore it up a little, you know, fix what they're doing wrong. And here, here we got this great church who loves the Lord, serving the Lord, passionate about the Lord, fighting evil, but they've left their first love. And what does that mean? It means that their first love of any church, of, of any Christian is Jesus Christ. In other words, you can get to the point where you're serving the Lord so much that you begin to forget why, and it becomes an action. It becomes what you do, and, and you start becoming legalistic. Uh, the early church was trying to put rules and regulations together to guide the early church, and sometimes the rules and the regulations meant more to the churchgoers than Jesus Christ. Now, we don't know any churches like that, right? I mean, that never has happened in churches. <laughs> but, you know, Christians can get really legalistic, and, and they forget their first love, and and look how Jesus says, he says look how, how from where you've fallen. In other words, you've fallen from your first love into legalism. And so what does the Lord do? He, he says, this is how you fix it. You repent. Go back to the first works. Go back to the why you were doing the works in the first place. And that was love. And then he challenges them like anybody. Do. If you don't, then I'm going to remove your lampstand. In other words, you're going to cease to be a church unless you repent. 
Mm. And Nathan, that, again, that's a powerful indictment, a wonderful encouragement, like you said, but then it comes the reality of, hey, we're called, as Christians, we're called to action. We're called to not be sitting on the sidelines. And and too often, like I, 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 we mentioned earlier, Nathan, uh, some individuals read this message and they oftentimes think it's for someone else. Or they will say, oh, yeah, I can think of someone like that, or I can think of a church like that. But here the reality is that also we as individuals need to hit heed this call because it's very easy for also our love to begin to grow cold if we're not careful oh you're so right uh, how often do christians point the fingers at the other guy it's like what jesus said about uh you know looking at the speck in your neighbor's eye but not recognizing the two by four in our own i mean really every christian does this because as people we need boundaries we need guidelines we need rules and regulations to figure things out and in the end we end up forgetting why we're doing what we're doing and and unfortunately, that's what happened here at the church in Ephesus. They they were so into their plans and programs that they were forget why they were doing what they were doing, that, that they were doing it because we were meant as Christians to show God's love. And, and they were forgetting that. They were becoming a legalistic church. And Jesus like, hey, 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 get back to your first love. It's time to repent and get back on track to why you were doing what you're doing. Excellent point. And Nathan, that's why right now we want to speak to that person uh, right now joined to this program. We want to speak to that Eve of Ephesus, I will say, or that Adam as well, that individual that that is listening or hearing these words. And these words are from the Lord. Nathan and I are just sharing it to you. And this is why it is so important for us to have a true relationship with Jesus, that we're not uh, playing church, that we're not thinking, well, this is for someone else, but that we take inventory of our hearts personally and ask that deep-rooted question, wait a minute, how am I doing as a church member, as a Christian, how am I doing spiritually, and how does this apply to me? Do I have an ear to hear? And I believe, Nathan, that's how we should take this message here, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's uh, verse 7, I think you, <laughs> you might have actually quoted it, I don't know, purposely or accidentally, but he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to him who overcomes... I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. And in other words, what is he promising? Eternal life. If, if you overcome sin and accept Christ as your Savior, then he's the one who, his, his blood cleanses you of your sins, and then you get the promise of eternal life. There, that tree of life that we knew about. And not the paradise of the Garden of Eden, but the paradise of God. We are talking about heaven here, right? Mm, praise the Lord. You know, Nathan, I, I love that because at the end, that's what we're talking about, eternal life salvation. In other words, it's okay to do works. It's okay to do wonderful things. I think that goes with being a Christian. But I believe the motive, right, Nathan, why we should do it, it, it is to please the Lord. Uh, not just a bunch of rules and regulations for him trying to impress someone. But at the end, we want to say, we want Jesus to say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Absolutely. And that's what he wants. So we got to remember, too, that, that Jesus isn't here to punish the churches. You know, he's not there to, to bow, browbeat them. He's there to help them get back on track. And we as Christians, uh, you know, we're human. We make mistakes. And so we get off track. I know I do all the time. And But that's what the Lord wants here. He wants to get us back on track. So, hey, sometimes we don't know what we're doing wrong. We forget or we're, we're blinded. And here we need this lesson from the Lord to say, hey, in your life, are you finding that, sure, you're serving the Lord well, but have you forgotten about the love? You know, look at your hearts, observe what you're doing in the service of the Lord, and, and ask yourself, uh, am I doing 
the work for work's sake or am I doing the work to show God's love because I love him? And that's a good reminder for all of us. And Nathan, maybe we could share with that person just briefly, maybe how they can start that surrender relationship with Jesus uh, right now, how they can have eternal life. Absolutely. Jesus says that if we believe in him as the son of God and repent of our sins and turn him as our savior, that he will forgive us of our sins. Uh, he will then cleanse the guilt of those sins and give us eternal life. Just what he said. I love that verse. Verse seven. He who has an ear, in other words, in your heart, in your spirit, do you feel the Holy Spirit calling you? Hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to you, if you overcome. In other words, you turn and give your life to Jesus Christ, then he promises your sins will be forgiven, and you will eat from that tree of life. You'll have eternal life forever. So pray from your heart, something like, and the words don't matter, but it's from the heart. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner. Please forgive me of these sins and be my Lord and Savior. And Jesus will do just that. Your sins are forgiven, and you will inherit eternal life. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Nathan. Of course, if you pray that prayer, let us know uh, whichever way you are connected with us. We would love to rejoice with you as uh, we we recognize that the Holy Spirit is doing a work in everyone's life. And the Bible says that whoever repents and turns from their sins and accepts him, that there is a celebration in heaven. So we want to celebrate uh, God's goodness uh, in your life. So again, Nathan, this is a powerful uh, message here. The first one that we just covered is to uh, Ephesus. Uh, of course, we know that there are six other messages that are coming uh, to the church, and uh, we hope that, that our listeners and our viewers will be able to join us in the following weeks as we continue to make our way uh, through these powerful messages to these seven people of the seven churches of Revelation. But Nathan, I want to thank you so much for encouraging my heart and those that have been part of the program with uh, opening up those wonderful scriptures for us. It's always awesome to have you as our co-host here. Oh, awesome to be on, brother. It's a great way to start a new year. Absolutely. So thank you so much, Nathan, for being part of the program. And of course, uh, we're coming to the end of our program today. But remember, you can always reach out to us. We would love to uh, pray for you. But we have come to the end of this segment of the program. And uh, we thank you all for being part of the program. So Nathan, it's great to have you. Hopefully you continue to join me for the rest of the series. Amen, brother. I'm ready. <laughs>